If you ever thought about starting your own podcast, you should check out Riverside. Riverside is an online recording studio that lets you record podcasts and video in studio quality from anywhere. And if you click on the affiliated link in the episode description and you buy a subscription, you will also be supporting the podcast. And if you are going to start your own podcast or you just want to continue to listen to great podcasts, you're going to need headphones or speakers. If you click on the Amazon affiliated link, you can get great deals on headphones and speakers. And if you make a purchase, it will also help support the podcast. And if you ever want to read a book I have mentioned on this podcast, I now have an affiliated link for Bookshop. All the affiliated links that I mentioned will be in the episode description for this episode. This is just a reminder that this podcast has merch and a Patreon, and if you could contribute to one of those to help keep this podcast going, I would greatly appreciate it. A quick content warning for this episode. In this episode, I very, very briefly mentioned suicide. I will leave timestamps in the episode description for this episode in case you need or want to skip over that. And if you do, please feel free to do that. Alright, now let's get started on the episode. This season on the Bartholomew Roberts episode, I told you that he was the most successful pirate of his time. But he was not the most successful pirate of all time. I told you that I would eventually be covering the most successful pirate of all time later on this season. Well, that day has finally come. Today, I will be telling you about the most successful pirate of all time. This story is not what you would consider a typical pirate story, and what I mean by that is this story isn't about a white guy from Europe. This story is about a woman from China that started off as a prostitute. Ahoy! My name is Courtney Jewell, and you are listening to the 14th episode of the third season of History Shelf, a podcast about history that proves that sometimes fact is even more interesting than fiction. Tis season three, O History Shelf, and I have titled this season, Yo-Ho, Yo-Ho, A Pirate's Life for Me. In this season be all about pirates, the pirates and scallywags that sailed the seven seas and some rivers, looking for booty as they made their travels. Some of oh, these pirates came from humble beginnings, while others surprisingly came from well-to-do families. But no matter where or who they came from, they all had one thing in common. They we be pirates. And for this week, I am talking about Zheng Yixiao. So, like many people that I've covered this season, Zheng Yixiao had a lot of names. She was born Xingyang, probably. She was also called Shi, Shanggu, Shekyang, and Qingxi. For this episode, I will call her Zheng Yixiao, since that was what she was known best as. Zheng Yixiao was born during the Qing Dynasty in 1775 in Xinwei, Guangdong, China. The name of girls 
didn't really matter in the Qing Dynasty. Women were seen only as their relation to a male. Like, all women were just seen as someone's daughter, sister, someone's wife, or someone's mother. Zheng Yixiao was born into a poor family that lived in a poor town. During this time, women were expected to basically stay in the house 24-7, but because Zheng Yixiao was poor, this really wasn't an option. When you grow up poor, everyone needs to help out. So, we don't have a lot of information about her early years. That is one of the difficult things about history. Poor people were not often written about. If you were poor, you had to do something of great significance before anyone would write anything about you. Opposed to, say, a princess that literally just had to exist to be written about. Like I said earlier, Zheng Yixiao did not start out as a pirate, but as a prostitute. Though, being a pirate was a very common thing to be in the port city that she grew up in. At the age of 26, Zheng Yixiao was working on a flower boat as a sex worker. So, there she was, working on a floating brothel when she met her husband, Zheng Yi. Apparently, Zheng Yi sought out Zheng Yixiao because of her good sense of business. She would gather secrets from the powerful clients that she had as a prostitute, and she would use those secrets to gain wealth and power. Zheng Yi could respect her hustle. At the time, Zheng Yi was the most successful pirate of his time and place. So, it was just talent recognizing talent. When she married Zheng Yi, that was when her name changed to Zheng Yi Sao. Zheng Yi Sao literally means wife of Zheng Yi. So, in 1801, Zheng Yi Sao and Zheng Yi married. And, like I said, Zheng Yi was at the top of his game. And he had come from a long line of successful pirates. So, he was sort of like a pirate king. It was said that Zheng Yi Sao made Zheng Yi give her equal control of Zheng Yi's massive fleet as a condition of their marriage. And so that was when Zheng Yi Sao became a pirate. China had a very different view on women pirates than the West did. I mentioned on both the Bartholomew Roberts and Anne Bonny episodes this season, I could have also possibly mentioned it on other episodes this season, that women were viewed as bad luck to have on a ship, but that wasn't a belief that China had. It actually wasn't uncommon for pirates in China during this time to take their whole family with them when they went out pirating. Zheng Yi Xiao and Zheng Yi had a son in 1803 named Zheng Yinxi, and they had another son named Zheng Chongxi in 1807. Some infighting among pirates started near the Guangdong coast. Zheng Yi Sao was an organizer, and so together Zheng Yi Sao and Zheng Yi were able to create a confederation of pirates. The pirates signed an agreement in July of 1805. Each pirate leader had to give up some autonomy. The confederation had six fleets, and they were known by the colors of their flags. The colors were black, blue, purple, red, white, and yellow. Zheng Yi was in command of the biggest fleet, the Red Flag Fleet. 
On November 16, 1807, Zheng Yi died. There are two possible ways that he died. One, he died at sea by a tsunami, or two, he was murdered in Vietnam. This was when Zheng Yi Sao's name changed to Qin Shi, which literally means Zheng Yi's widow. But for the remainder of this episode, I'm going to continue to keep calling her Zheng Yi Sao. So, then the question was, who was going to take over for Zheng Yi? And there really wasn't any question, because Zheng Yi Sao just did it, and... She was such a badass that no one questioned it. All the pirates just went along with it. Zheng Yi Sao also remarried. Like two years before Zheng Yi Sao married Zheng Yi, Zheng Yi had kidnapped a fisherman's 15-year-old son. Zheng Yi did this so he could have an heir. Having an heir was really important because pirating was the family business and he wanted someone to pass the business down to. And he didn't have any biological children yet, so he adopted the boy he had kidnapped and taken him as his son and heir. Not only did Jing Yi take the boy whose name was Chung Pao Sai as his son, but he also took him as his lover. Which I know is very icky. After Jing Yi died, Jing Yi Sao married Chung Pao Sai. Did she marry him because it sounded like a good business move? Did she marry him because she loved Chung Pao Sai? Was it a little bit of both? Were Zheng Yi Sao and Zheng Yi and, and Chung Pao Sai a throuple? Who knows? Now, while women pirates weren't uncommon in Zheng Yi Shao's time and place, women pirate leaders were. But Zheng Yi Shao was a good leader, and the task that she had to do was not an easy one. She had about 80,000 pirates under her command. She had about 1,000 large junks and 800 smaller junks and rowboats. Her time spent and the skills that she learned as a prostitute probably helped her as a leader. Because remember, she became quite business savvy as a prostitute. Zheng Yi Sao, like many pirates, had a set of codes that had to be followed. These codes were, disobeying an order would result in your head being chopped off and your body being thrown into the sea. If you gave a command, but you were not a commander, then your head was cut off and your body was tossed into the sea. Stealing from the fleet's treasury would result in a beheading and your body would be dumped into the sea. Robbing from the village that supplied the pirates would also result in decapitation and your body would be tossed into the sea. If you deserted or you were absent without leave, then your ears would be cut off and you were paraded through the squadron. So mixing the punishment up a little. But if you did it again, then your punishment would be execution. Women that were captured and deemed unattractive would be released without harm. But the attractive women could be purchased as a wife by the pirates for $40. You could not have sex outside of marriage. If you were caught being unfaithful, then you were beheaded and your body was thrown into the sea. If you raped a woman, guess what? You were beheaded and your body was thrown into the sea. Actually, no abuse towards women was tolerated. All sex on the ship was forbidden. 
if a couple was caught having sex on the ship and it was consensual, then both parties involved were beheaded and their bodies were tossed into the sea. She definitely had a style. I can't help but think that these codes that protected women stem from one, Zheng Yi Sao being a woman herself, but also came from the fact that she was once a sex worker. She really stood up for women and she did it in a time that was really oppressive for women. I mean, yeah, she did use attractive women as loot, but that was just what came along with being a pirate. But she did have some feminist ideas and I don't think that they should be ignored. 20% of the loot would be divided between the pirates that were involved in the raid and the 80% that was left would go into the fleet's treasury. If you took more than 20%, I'm sure you can guess what the punishment was. I'll give you a little hint. It involves having your head removed from your body. And all captured goods had to be registered before they were shared. Religion was a big thing in her fleet. Zheng Yixiao and Cheng Pao Sai built a temple on one of their largest vessels. Zheng Yixiao would have her pirates pray in the temple before they went on a raid. But before they did, she would meet with the priests and she would tell them what she wanted them to tell the pirates. So the pirates would go into a raid thinking that they had been blessed by the gods. So morale was really high. She would also sprinkle garlic water on them and that was believed that it would ward off any chance of injury. Her pirates drank a drink that was a mixture of wine and gunpowder before battle, which is something that I personally do not recommend you doing. They used grappling hooks to climb onto ships. Some of the weapons that they used were a gun that was like a eight foot musket and it required more than one person to use it. They had a machete like thing that was attached to a post and they used grenades that were filled with gunpowder and gin. If she attacked you and you were with the Chinese Navy, then your feet were nailed to the deck and your body would be chopped up and you would be turned into fish food. Zheng Yi Xiao also got involved in the salt industry. And what I mean by that is she completely took it over. She attacked the salt fleet and she made them deliver the salt to her. The government had 270 salt ships and only four were out of her control. And that was because those four ships refused to leave port because they feared that they would be attacked by Zheng Yi Xiao. Zheng Yi Sao made a passport system, and she was actually one of the first people to do that ever in history. This system forced salt merchants to purchase a safe passage from the pirates before they headed out. Soon, this extended to all merchant ships. Even the East India Company was paying her. 
Villages started paying her for protection, and in return, Zheng Yixiao sold them products to these small villages for reasonable prices. This was a smart move because it made villages loyal to her. Her protection didn't just extend to villages. Eventually, even government officials sought out Zheng Yixiao's protection. When government officials came to her, she went back to what she learned as a sex worker, and she started trading secrets. So, since Zheng Yixiao was so successful, of course the Chinese government wanted to stop her, especially after what she did with the salt industry. But the government had a problem. Their navy was shit. Zheng Yixiao had more and better ships than the Chinese Navy. At this point, Zheng Yixiao was basically her own nation. She was a pirate queen. She was the pirate queen. She could even go up against some of the ships in the British Royal Navy. Both in July of 1808 and July of 1809, she went up against the Chinese Navy. And the Chinese Navy did not come out the victors on either of those times. The first time, she destroyed fleets guarding the river delta between the Portuguese, Macau, and Canton. That battle was 16 hours long, and afterwards, the Chinese admiral committed suicide. In the 1809 attack, Zheng Yixiao ordered her men to swim to the Chinese ships and board the ships. After that, coastal towns were burned. So, the Chinese were really desperate to stop Zheng Yixiao. They were so desperate that they asked for outside help from the British, Dutch, and Portuguese. Which wasn't really something that they were used to. They weren't used to asking other cultures to get involved with their business. So, that just shows you how dire that they viewed this situation. This is how Richard Glasgow ended up being captured by Zheng Yixiao's pirates. Richard worked for the East India Company. From September 1809 to December 1809, he was held prisoner. He said that he was kept in a rat-infested hold and that he had to survive on eating rice and caterpillars. He also said that the Chinese that the fleet captured really wasn't given much of a choice. They could join the crew or they could be flogged to death. He said that European captives were forced to take part in the attacks on villages. He said that when the pirates attacked villages, that they would collect heads of their victims. He said that they would tie pairs together using pigtails, and they would wear them around their necks. Eventually, Zheng Yixiao got so big and so powerful that China and its people really starting to hurt. People were starving because of the effects of piracy. And it wasn't just small, remote villages that were starving. Large cities were going without food. So China really put all of their energy into controlling the pirate situation that they had on their hands. Because they had to. Lucky for them, the Pirate Confederation was starting to have some issues. Which that was bound to happen. It was inevitable. You can't have that many people involved in something and they're not the issues. 
There were too many opinions, too many egos, and too much ambition. It was a too many cooks in the kitchen situation. There was a real big hiccup going on with the leader of the Black Flag fleet, Kuo Pautai. He was jealous of the power that Zheng Yi Shao's husband had. There is a possibility that he also may have been in love with her, so he would have been jealous of him for that too. In November of 1809, Kuo Pao Tai was basically done with the Confederation and he refused to help the Red Flag Fleet fight in a battle against the Chinese and Portuguese. The Portuguese were fighting the Red Flag Fleet because the Red Flag Fleet had taken one of their ships. The Red Flag Fleet ended up winning the fight, but they lost 40 men. Chiang Po Sai attacked the Black Flag Fleet in December of 1809 for their refusal to help. The Black Flag Fleet won the battle and in January of 1810, Kuo Pao Tai turned himself into authorities, got a pardon, and became a pirate hunter. That was just the first domino to fall, and by April of 1810, a good portion of her fleet was either destroyed or had been disbanded. So Zheng Yi Sao thought that it was time for her to step down as the Pirate Queen. On April 18, 1810, she sailed her fleet of 260 junks into the Canton Harbor, and she marched right up to authorities and demanded a pardon. And she didn't just get a pardon, she got a damn good pardon. The pirates had to give up most of their ships and weapons, but they got to keep all of their loot. Chang Po Sai became a naval mandarin, and if any pirate wanted to, they could join the Imperial Chinese Navy. If they didn't want to join the Navy, and instead they wanted to retire, a pension was created for them. Of course, no legal action was used against them except for 376 members of her crew. They did face punishment. I'm not sure why that those individuals were singled out or what their punishment was, though. And Zheng Yi Sao, she ended up teaching the government troops how to fight at sea. In 1813, Zheng Yi Sao had a son with Cheng Po Sai named Zheng Yuyin. She retired in Canton and then she moved to Fokien, but then she moved back to Canton. She opened up a brothel slash gambling house, but that was just a front for her opium smuggling business. In 1822, Jung Po Sai died at the age of 36. I'm not sure how he died. Jung Yi Sao then returned to Guangdong. In 1814, she was living in Nanang. She filed charges against the government official Wu Yaoyin for embezzling 28,000 teals of silver that Cheng Po Sai had given him in 1810 to buy an estate. The case was dismissed by the emperor. And in 1844, she died at the age of either 68 or 69. Zheng Yi Sao is in the movie Singing Behind Screens. The movie is loosely based on Jorge Luis Borges' short story, The Widow Ching, Lady Pirate. The character Mistress Ching in the movie Pirates of the Caribbean at World's End is loosely based off of 
Zheng Ni Sao. The character Ching Shi in the novel The Wake of the Lorelei Li is based on Zheng Ni Sao. The Flower Boat Girl by Larry Fain is a fictional novel about Zheng Ni Sao. In the science fiction novel Mickey Seven by Edward Ashton, the first interstellar human colonial mission departed on a ship named Cheng Shi. The Space Pirates in the science fiction novel The Red Scholar's Wake by Elliot T. Bordard are modeled after Zheng Yi Sao. Rita Chung Epic wrote a fictionalized biography of Zheng Yi Sao titled Deep as the Sky, Red as the Sea. The character Sailor V transforms into Zheng Yi Sao temporarily in the manga codename Sailor V by, and give me a moment to pronounce this name, Naoku Takeuchi, and I'm sorry if I pronounced that wrong. She is in the graphic novel Afterlife. She is also in the webtoon Worn and Torn Newbie. The character Shek Kyo in the TV series Captain of Destiny is based off Zheng Yi Shao. Zheng Yi Shao was in an episode of Doctor Who titled Legend of the Sea Devils. She will also be a character in the upcoming season Our Flag Means Death. The virtual reality experience Madam Pirate Becoming a Legend is a fictionalized retelling of Zheng Yi Shao's life. She inspired characters in the video games For Honor, Indivisible, and Assassin's Creed 4 Black Flag. The song Bloody Rose of China by the Jolly Rogers is about Zheng Yi Zhao's life. The podcasts You're Dead to Me and Vulgar History have also done episodes on Zheng Yi Zhao. And what episode of History Shelf would this be if there wasn't a musical about her? The musical is titled Asian Pirate Musical. And that was the life of Zheng Yi Sao. Thank you so much for listening to the 14th episode of the third season of History Shelf. There are 15 episodes planned for this season. Next week's episode is going to be about Roberto Cofresi. It is the season finale of season three. I hope you come back for that. A few things before we go. If you want to follow this podcast on social media, the TikTok is at History Shelf. The Twitter is at History Shelf Pod. The Instagram is at History underscore Shelf underscore Pod. The Facebook page is History Shelf Podcast. And the Snapchat is History underscore Shelf. If you want to help out this podcast financially, there are a few ways you can do that. One is you can buy merch from the History Shelf merch store. Or you can become a Patreon. This podcast is always going to be free, but there are some perks that come along with becoming a Patreon. The first tier is called History Student, and that is $1 a month. And with that, I will send out a thank you to you on all social media platforms that History Shelf is on. I will also choose one Patreon at random for each episode that I do. And at the end of the episode, I will give that Patreon a shout out. The second tier is called History Fan, and that is $3 a month. And with that, you get the first tier, plus you get to vote in a poll that helps me choose the theme for the next season of this podcast. The third tier is called History Buff, and that is $20 a month. And with that, you get the first two tiers, plus you will get a handwritten note of thanks mail to you from me. And the last tier is called History Lover, and that is $40 a month. And with that, you get the first three tiers, plus you get to choose one item from the History Chef merch store. You can choose any item that you want except for the zip-up hoodie. 
You can also take out ad space on this podcast. I have a gig on Fiverr that lets you do that. You can also click on one of the affiliated links. There's one for Riverside, one for Amazon, and one for Bookshop. If you click on one of those links and you buy something, that helps support the podcast. But if you don't want any of the merch and you don't want any of the perks and you don't want to buy anything but you still want to help out the podcast, I turn on listener support on Spotify for podcasters. The links to everything that I just mentioned will be in the episode description for this episode. But as always, the best way that you can help support this podcast is to just to continue to listen to it. And there are a few other ways that you can help out for free. One is if you are listening on a platform that lets you rate this podcast five stars and or leave a positive review. If you do that, that would be very helpful. Also, sharing this podcast on social media with your friends and family would be very helpful. All right. Well, until next time, keep learning, keep loving history, and come back for next week's episode. Bye.